Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two-time defending ATV motocross national champion, Cody Jensen. Am I on air? What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode 52 of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase at shop.csttires.com. We have another highly anticipated episode for you tonight, kind of a follow-up from last week's episode, and it will also serve as a perfect preview for the High Point ATV National that's right around the corner. Nick Janusa will kick things off as he asks for a chance to speak on the pro stock topic that he was at the center of in Texas, so we'll complete that coverage and then get into some other topics before transitioning into the second half of our show tonight. Both Jeffrey Rastrelli and Brandon Hogue will then join us to relive High Point 2018, the last time the ATB National Motocross Series headed out to High Point. For both riders, High Point 2018 served as an unforgettable highlight to two stellar careers to date. You're not going to want to miss that trip down memory lane. We've got a fun episode ahead, so let's not waste any more time. Thanks to all of you who are playing Digging Deep ATV MX Fantasy with us. A reminder that teams do not roll over from previous events, so you must visit ATVFantasy.com over the course of the next week or so to select your four-rider team and lock it in before the gate drops in Pennsylvania. Head over to ATVFantasy.com today. Thanks to our sponsors who are all on board with us tonight, CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com, Yamaha thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and they have a bunch of brand new industry-leading stuff coming as well. So check out Manscaped. I wish it would have sooner. Get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all these great companies that support us, and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. The season is here, racing is in full swing, and we both know you need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. So before you buy, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out in a major way. We can't thank you enough for that. Now, the 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys. So by now, I'm sure you've all heard about the pro stock situation that took place at Three Palms. Casey filled us in on the last episode. And following its release, this guy wanted a chance to speak. So we're going to give him that opportunity. Brought to you by CST Tires. Visit shop.csttires.com to join this guest and myself on CST's Pulse MXR Tires. Soft and standard compounds are available at shop.csttires.com. Let's welcome back Mr. Nick Janusa. What's up, man? Thanks for uh, rejoining us here on Digging Deep. Cody, thank you for having me. Before we go into it, um, I think I saw on Facebook that today's your birthday. It is. Is it? 
Hey, happy birthday. So, I mean, it's cool that you're doing this on your birthday and I appreciate your time. You, you could have blew me off. It's all right. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, pal. So um, as you and everyone knows, and I want to get right into this and that's why I wanted to give you the opportunity to speak. That's why I wanted to do it right here. It didn't matter what, what day it was. Um, I wanted to get to you as quickly as we could. So as yeah. you and, and everyone else knows, I don't do any of this for, for clickbait or drama or unneeded negativity. Digging deep is hundred percent focused on bettering the sport of ATV racing. So the goal wasn't to drag this out by any means, but it was important to me to give you um, the chance to speak that I touched on, especially after you so respectfully asked for the opportunity. So I'll turn things over to you here. Um, you wanted to speak from your point of view and clear the air on some things. So tell us what happened. Tell us what happened at Three Palms regarding the pro stock situation. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're there's always you know, there's always three sides to every story. And I will say my side and how I felt I took that whole day, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to start. It's, it's kind of complicated. It's kind of not, you know, I, I watched that class for two years and I always thought it was cool. You know, the whole point of that, bringing that class into the nationals was to make this, um, more affordable for people to get into racing. You know, you're supposed to be able to, take a quad from a showroom floor of a dealership, put Nerf bars, tires, stabilizer, maybe handlebars on it and go race it allegedly. But that, you know, in my opinion, doesn't really seem to be the case of this. You know, this is a stock class and you are, you know, the rules are, they're pretty tricky. You know, when you really read into them, I find a lot of gray areas in this class. Um, and the things you're allowed to do to your quad, I came into that race with, and I wanted to give this class a shot this year. And I raced, I did okay the first moto, and my bike, well, people ain't gonna believe, people never believe me on this either. My <laughs> bike was overheating both times too. My temp light was on, and I don't even know what the heck was going on because my race bikes don't even do that. And it went into like a limp mode in the later part of the races. But in the first few laps of both races, you know, I, I have had a good amount of races myself in pro class, and I feel like I have a really good eye for certain things. And I couldn't help to feel that or see that I was getting out motored. And that's the way I felt. I saw it. And, you know, I was watching Hedrick, the first moto. He's a phenomenal starter. He's a phenomenal starter. He ripped the start. He's great at shifting, great reaction time. And then you really watch it. I mean, he was getting passed or he ended up getting passed on a straightaway. It almost looked like effortlessly. So then this whole conversation goes back to, um, you know, who's you know, like, you can look at this in so many different ways. You know, I, I heard there was Casey saying that this is a whole momentum thing. And I think that that's completely irrelevant to someone like me, and I'm not saying I'm a number one guy, but that sh it shouldn't really be brought up because you're going to tell, okay, so if, if Nick can't carry momentum on a stock quad and Nick doesn't know how, I guess Joel Hetrick doesn't either, right? You know, so I think at that point, that's where I stopped listening to the last podcast. Um, and it doesn't matter who said it. You know, I like Casey, but I think that point's completely wrong, completely wrong. You know, I've been just because I, came into that stock class that morning wasn't the first time I've been riding that I've been riding stock quads for two years and if we want to talk about momentum we can talk about momentum because I ride 90 quads 
as much or more than my big quads and that's all momentum. So at that point I completely disagreed and I came off the, I came off the track heated, um, you know, and I kept thinking after my pro stock class interview, you know, was it really bad or was it really not? And each and every one more day that went by, went by, I really stand more and more behind what I said. And there's nothing to be apologizing for. This is how I felt. It wasn't, I said, you know, I'm sure you could go back to this interview on quad radio where I said, I feel like I'm getting outmotored and this is an easy class to cheat in. After I said that, um, Chad and I had some words, not overly aggressive. He was fine. You know, we've talked before. This is racing. We're two competitive guys. I respect the hell out of him. At the end of the day, this is Chad Wiener we're talking about. He's seven-time champion. Mm-hmm. He is the best in our class. I do understand that. I highly respect it, and I high, highly respect him. There's nothing to take away from him. But I'm scratching my head a little bit here. Uh, why is this, like, so much easier to keep up with him in pro class and, you know, I could put down insane class laps in pro class. I've been having good races this year. And the stock class, I like, we couldn't even, like, hold a candle to him. And, it, okay, you could say it's just Nick, but Joel didn't have anything for him the first moto either until he blew up, um, which was crazy that he blew up. It was halfway through the race. But he was already passed by Chad at that time. So I said what I said on the podium people are putting up stuff later in the day and then people point the finger at me that I'm the one who protested him, which is, I think the big issue in this. And I never protested him. I never wanted to. And that's not what happened for the people that assume they weren't there that day. Chad and I talked and they, they almost, they were, it was between, you know, Chad didn't really poke at me too much. He's like, go ahead and protest me. And I said, it's not what I want to do. I just, I was, like I said, heated in the moment, and I said what I said, and then a few of the officials came up to me, and it was, you know, D-Manchak and this and that, so you want to protest them, so you want to protest them, and I started getting mad back. I'm like, no, like, that's not what's happening here. Drop it. I'll move on. I'll take it, whatever, and I move on. So Chad is like, you know, I want to settle this. I want to protest myself, blah, 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 and then he went in, and um, he, I don't even know if he was able to protest himself or have someone else do it, but, okay. you know, I – I still stand behind what I saw. You know, it's again, I, I haven't been in pro class as long as Chad, but this isn't my first or second year. It's my seventh year. And I watch a lot of little things with these guys and I could see where I'm getting pulled or not. And, and, you know, if I, I did the things you're allowed to do to the bike, you know, the, the replashed ECU, um, I actually don't even have a stem. I run the stock stem, handlebars, Nerf bars, tires. Um, but man, I just, I, I could just f- physically see myself. Like, how are these guys? I mean, Chad's even heavier than me, mm-hmm. 50 pounds. And again, I, don't, I, I dropped it on the spot um, after Chad and I talked. I was like, you know what? Just let it be. Let's go on to the next race. You know, he is Chad Weenan. You know, maybe I'm missing something that is clear and I wanted to just drop it and move on. And this got carried heavily. Mm-hmm. Um well, but that this is, this is it's a tricky situation, and mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything to apologize for for mm-hmm. saying how I felt. You know, God forbid, there's a little bit of drama in the sport. <laughs> I don't think it's the worst thing. Right. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, 
yeah, I don't think that you need to apologize for anything. I would assume uh, kind of by what you're saying there, I mean, it was simply your, your competitive nature boiling over, right? Like you said, you're a competitive guy come off the track. I mean, we've all been there. Every racer's been there where you come off the track heated, right? Like there's stuff you'd say or do right when you get off the racetrack that you probably would never ever else do. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, we're, we're very competitive and my interview was not that really, in my opinion, not that aggressive. It could have been way worse. Mm-hmm. You try to hold together in the moment. Um, so you don't say anything bad and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not my style. It, it was never to blow up big. I didn't do it for, I didn't say talk smack for publicity or to, for this to blow up. I didn't even really think about it on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for someone to say that, or, you know, I saw a bunch of comments and stuff on social media that, you know, he can't get over it. They lost, he got beat, he didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I race against the fastest guys in the world every two weeks and I've never won a pro race. So I'm getting beat every two weeks. You don't see me, excuse me, crying about it often. You know, I had one interview in my life where I spoke the way I felt. And if people want to hold me against it, let them do that. They can think what they want, but I stand behind what I said. And, you know, um, I think in general, people should say it how it is, you know, even though our sport is small and everyone's scared about hurting someone's feelings, it's, you see something, you know, it's, I've, listen, I've been in pro class for seven years, seven years, and I've never once seen a teardown. Nobody's gotten protested in the 70 something race. It's kind of ironic. So I kind of scratch my head is what if stuff happened in the pro class here? you know, what's under the other, what's under, and I'm not, I'm not saying, and I'm not calling out Chad, I'm not calling out Hector or anybody in specific, but you know, there's not enough, like our, there's not enough rules in my opinion that are um, really in order, like really direct towards certain things. And I think pro class would be harder to cheat in, but um, it's just, it's a little bit smaller sport than people think and nobody wants to say the wrong thing. And I just I got tired of it. You know, people have been talking about the stock class for years and uh, you know, it's screwed. I was going to be the one to say it. Yeah. So again, um, you and I both were 100% in agreement. Like none of this was to drag out the drama or anything like that, but it was important to me. It was important for me to let, uh, let you speak, tell your story and in your defense, plenty of people have speculated to me over the course of the past two seasons that I'm not just talking about Chad Weenan. Um, you know, and I, and I, I can't say that I agreed at the time or whatever. I can't say I agreed, but there's been plenty of people that have speculated and, and you surely weren't the only one there. Right. So yeah. um, I think that that's uh, that's also something that, that definitely needs to be said. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I haven't been the only one that um, I haven't been the only one that's been talking about, that subject of the stock class and people, you know, maybe bending the rules and this and that, but I didn't want to say anything because it's been talked about a lot. Everyone talks about it. And I saw it one time in both motos. I'm like, man, like there's no, like, there's no way that what I have done to my bike in the rule sheet is what they're running. Like, why am I getting blown away here? And listen, man, like I have a lot of time on my stock one. I ride that about 75% of the time at home. Okay. And, you know, I enjoy riding the slower stuff to keep me sharp because it teaches you the momentum. And, yep. you know, again, I'm not getting hung up with this. I wanted to just go to the next race. It is what it is. Um, 
I kind of just pushed it over for the time being, you know, it's still Chadwin and we're talking about, he's a phenomenal rider. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but I just, I felt something was up that day. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it is what it is. You know, I'm moving on. So shameless plug here. Like Casey would say, um, I rode the, the YFZ 450R for the first time this past weekend. It was actually your old quad. It's actually your old. Okay. It was actually your old quad. A buddy of mine here in Wisconsin bought a quad from you. And uh, I'll tell you, dude, I was blown away. I know I've had guest after guest after guest come on here and rant and rave about the Yamaha, but from how powerful the thing was, I was surprised by, I was surprised surprised by the length of the gears. And then the other thing I was most surprised by was even stock setup was that rear end and rear linkage on that thing. What, I mean, like I said, I've said to Joel, I've said to a few guys on here where, you know, we talked about the Honda just finally looking like it was outdated. It's outdated. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, let me, let me tell you something that I think is very important for every single rider to hear. Everybody. Number one, I am not by any means a Yamaha supporter rider. People think that I am and get bikes and this and that. Absolutely not. I don't get bikes. I don't get anything from Yamaha. But anybody that doesn't ride one right now is not helping the cause. I, I think I just I know you ride a Honda. I know a lot of people ride a Honda. But I think look at the manufacturer that's still producing a sport quad. I just don't think it helps anything to ride the quad that they haven't made in eight years because, you know, mm-hmm. Honda, if they're even looking at ATV motocross could be laughing. Like, you know, why come out with a quad half the nationals are still riding them. I think, yep. I just think, and, th- and this is very like neutral opinion, not even the Yamaha supported guy mm-hmm. and people should be hopping on those. They're still making them and yep. still supporting them. And we should boom those sales yep. because if those sales boom, other manufacturers are looking. Look how many sport quads Yamaha is selling. Let's re let's release the, our sport quad again. That I'm sure a few of them have. But it's all about numbers at the end of the day. So yeah, so I think people should be all. Everybody should be making the switch. No, you're you're 100 right, and you're not hurting my feelings there. I mean, as you know, because you've had to do it over the course of the of yeah. the of your career here. Uh, you know, and I've said it on the show, but switching your program is it's a tough. is a it's a big process. So um, it's definitely coming for me, um, and I oh, yeah. for for so many for so many people, like I think 2021 we've seen a huge shift. And I think it's going to be that much more going forward when we see all you guys at the top. I mean, the whole pro class is basically Yamaha's at this point. And everybody's seems like when you look at the comments or whatever, everybody's bummed on it. And I'm, I think it's awesome. Again, like you just said, support the the brand that's supporting the the sport again, like, Hey, they, they value, they value the sport enough to help my show. Like that's a big deal. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, they're, they're still producing a sport quad. And I think, um, I, I don't, I don't think that the Honda is a bad quad. I think the only issue with this is since they don't make them anymore, you know, where are people getting their stuff now besides, you know, Facebook and use frames and you, you know, they're buying cases and piecing together motors. It's not a bad quad, but mm-hmm. when the production stops on them, how many times can it go through the recycling machine, you know, of, rebuilding bikes and this and that and let's go to the manufacturer that's at least making one yep. right now yeah uh, and listen i actually love the yamaha quad i love fuel injection i love the handling mm-hmm. i think they're built 
excellent. And I think, in my opinion, you know, I went back and forth four times, five times, whatever. And that's the quad to be on. And they've yeah. come a long way in the power and all the little stuff now. I mean, they're, they're sweet. I love them. For sure. So, and the, the Honda isn't a bad quad. I just think it's finally, it feels outdated. That's how it feels. But sure. so it, it, it's kind of tying a bow on this whole situation. The entire thing is tough because they're and, and as you touched on, and we touched on in the last episode, there's some seriously large gray areas with the, with that class. Um, probably even more than I, than I probably had focused on up until now. Um, I think the sole positive that's going to come from this is those gray areas are going to shrink. Uh, I know that for fact, those gray areas are going to shrink. And, and not only that, Nick, but now it's brought to the surface, right? Like everybody's going to be watching everybody with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good thing. I think that's, you know, the way to do fair racing and right the second, I don't really know how I stand with the class. You know, there's a side of me that wants to race at high point, And then there's a side of me that doesn't until, um, until certain things get squared away. You want my honest opinion on that class. And in some form of way, this needs to happen. Um, is if you got Yamaha and really, really involved that had, you know, I, I'm just throwing a wild idea out there. You sure. Yamaha yep. involved with an 18 wheeler and they got 10 bikes. Spec quad. And, You're talking spec yeah, quad racing. Spec quad, yep. right. Yep. They show yep. up, they got Nerf bars, this and that, all the same setup, stock motor, um, fully stock. You show up, you pick a name out of the hat and you're getting one through 10, whatever, all the same thing. Mm-hmm. And after the practices and after the races, that bike goes back to the Yamaha tent. Can't take them back to your rigs. And like, that's the only way, you know? And for me to say it's an easy class to cheat in, it, it's just true. It's not bashing Yamaha. It's, 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 it's really just the rule sheet itself of the, all the gray areas, how it's easy to cheat in. And it's true when you really think about it, you know, think about what I'm saying is if, or, or it doesn't have to be Yamaha, but somebody hold the bikes and they were all random that morning and you picked, you know, out of a hat and they were all built the same way. And that's the one you're racing. I, and I mean like identical, that's, that's how to settle this beef. And, and I think it'd be cool. It'd bring the right attention. You know, maybe the same guy still wins. Maybe the same guys don't, maybe it's the, the back out of the top five guys are battling up front. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. I think, I think it'd be pretty cool. You know, I'd be all for it um, for something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Obviously that would be awesome. I mean, we, uh, we, we compared this class to spec racing when it was, you know, kind of first uh, began. I don't know if what you're talking about is ever going to happen, but again, I do think that, the one good thing that's going to come from this is everybody's going to go to these races, knowing that everybody's going to be watching um, what these bikes are doing and whatever. The, the one thing that I think needs to be said, um, I, I'm, I don't think, I know, I know this Chad Weenan, as you said, he's a legend. He's, you know, one of the best ever, obviously that's no argument to that. He wouldn't knowingly cheat. I truly believe that he would not knowingly cheat. He's a seven time champ. He's factor Yamaha affiliation. That doesn't even have anything to do with it. In my mind, he volunteered his bike, right? Like he volunteered. Um, so at the end of the day, I think that that emphasizes the gray areas that, you know, we've touched on. And I think that the listener needs to know without going into great detail, the stuff that's in question is Yamaha 
part numbers that don't match the model year that people are riding, right? Like I don't want people, I don't want people to. Right. I mean, it's not like any of us thought he wasn't on a 450. Well, well, and and I want the listener to know they're talking about like taking the the Yamaha parts from certain years and putting them on other years, right? Like that's what we're talking about. I, I want people to know that there's nothing like, it's not egregious, but when you're talking about stock quads, what people are doing out there, like that's the gray area of the rule. Right. It's, it's not. Yeah. I mean, never once in my head, you know, a typical protest is born stroke. Not once, not even a thought through my head thought he wasn't on the 450. Right. Or 450. Right. But, I just know, wanted, I needed to see that Nick for, for the sure. listener, the listener. So, you know, for the listener too, you know, the, the gray areas in that class are, you know, different, um, year parts and this and that. And to your point, it's not major, but that's not for nothing either. You know, if, if you have parts, you know, what are you doing it for? It's not because it's not an advantage. And, no, right. you know, yeah. if there's, if it adds up to different stuff, um, you know, it, it, to the guy aligned to the right or left of you, maybe it's an advantage. Maybe it's not, um, it's not major, but it's not nothing. No, right. And I, and I didn't mean it that way. I more meant and, it, and it's obviously magnified when you're on stock quads, right? Like I, again, yeah. I just wanted to, so that the listener understood that's what we're dealing Absolutely. with here. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's I, deep. Like it's, it's like, it's not deep, but it is deep, this whole thing. And I like how it's unfolding regardless of the outcome of what this ends up being. Mm-hmm. But I think it needs to be watched a lot closer this class. Um, in my opinion. Yep. Obviously. Again, I'm moving on. I don't like to get hung up on things, you know, at the end of the day, you know, racing wins races and we move on. Yep. Uh, of course. Uh, again, it was important to me. Um, and I'm glad that we could get you on. We wanted to hear your story. I wanted to get your perspective out there. I thought that that was important because there's obviously trolls out there yeah. that feel yeah, like they, up. yeah, that feel like they need, uh, need to say something. Um, riders like Chad Weenan wouldn't knowingly disobey the rules. Chad volunteered his bike. He pushed to make the protest happen. The issue at hand is the gray areas of the rules. From what I'm told, the mods in question are something that most riders are slash were doing. It could have been anyone that this happened to, but I can all but guarantee that this won't happen again because the gray area is shrinking literally as we speak. In my opinion, I believe a warning shot should have probably been fired at the riders of the pro stock class, making riders aware of where the gray area ends and the line gets drawn, but that's nothing more than my belief. We're talking about the gray area on stock OEM Yamaha parts. The end. Uh, Nick, while I have you, uh, I want to have you join me for our Impact Solutions Impact Moments segment um, where we highlight something good and positive that's happening uh, or happened at at the races or within ATV motocross in general. And for me, I'm going to start this off with uh, mine's going to be you and your perspective. People like you and I, um, like guys like Casey Greek from Impact Solutions, who's on here, um, you know, wanting to bring up, you know, positive things and stuff like that, who simply 
uh, want the best for the sport, no matter what. Those are the uh, the types of people that I kind of want to touch on here. Um, like I said, a perspective like you have. After our last episode, you could have messaged me pissed off about the fact that we were discussing the pro stock stuff. And 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 as I said, you know, I I, I don't do any of this for clickbait, drama, negativity, nothing like that. But even still, uh, you weren't fired up at me at all. You stated that the podcast was good for the sport, adding uh, attention where it's needed, and uh, any any exposure is good exposure. Those were the words that you used with me no matter what. So I wanted to give you and others like you credit for being concerned about the betterment of the sport as a whole. Uh, credit to you, man. We uh, we sure appreciate your participation over here at Digging Deep and wanted to take this opportunity to um, you know say thanks for all you do for the sport as a whole. And, and again, uh, people who have that that view, that motivation, um, that, you know, that they're looking out for the betterment of the sport as a whole, which I know that's where I stand. Casey's been on here talking about it. I know that you're kind of of that same mindset. Uh, just wanted to give you credit and thank you for the way that, that you handled all this. I mean, this was awesome. N none of it was, uh, to be, to be negative, but even still you were caught up in the middle of it and you still were like, Hey, I think that this is awesome. It's good attention. Um, everything else. I just uh, appreciate the way you handled it and appreciate you being here now. I mean, um, you could have said, Hey, this is a couple weeks in the rear view. Let's just leave it lie. And, uh, you're here and kind of hopefully kind of deescalating the situation. And I appreciate all that. Cause I do think it's for the betterment of the sport. Man, I don't even know where to start, but with, with, I guess I'll start with saying, thank you. That was very nice. All of that. But, um, you know, I, I'm not old by any means, but the older I got, I, you can't run away from stuff. I've just learned to face certain situations face to face of whatever it is. Um, you know, I don't like the little bit of negativity, even though I threw a little fuel on the fire. But at the end of the day, if this blows up a little bit, again, the, any exposure is good exposure. And even though some people might look at it as bad, I don't look at it that way. And this is what it is. You know, I, I, I move on from it. Again, this is not something I get hung up on, whatever. You know, there's people that probably love me or, and hate me and I'm not here to try to change people's minds. I'm here to be me and I'm here for who I am. And if you want to root for me, I love you too. And if you don't, it doesn't <laughs> hurt my feelings at the end of the day. You know, it's, it's just who I am, but okay. So something positive on the sport of ATV motocross, this one's easy. This one's very easy. Okay. This is, this is, this is Nick Janus's impact solutions yeah. impact moment right here. Here, Like this is too easy. The best thing that's happening right now in ATV motocross is this pandemic. This pandemic, it, it's hard. It's very hard with some aspects, but you really dig deep uh, of like what's <laughs> going on here and digging into it. Look what's happening in our sport with production of parts. You try to call anywhere right now. You want to order CST tires, you, which I, I find I'm not bashing NM or any company, but I just got my first tires this year, like two weeks ago. Uh, you try to call any aftermarket companies right now, whether it's rims, A-arms, whatever, people are backed up. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Backed up means very high um, revenue of people coming in and purchasing parts. And that's and it, this goes even deeper than that with they're not just buying parts for nothing. People are going out and buying bikes. I'm trying to buy a YFZ450 right now. I can't find one anywhere. You know, unless I go on Facebook and see a used one for $10,000, which is just absolutely not what I'm going to do. Um, but you see the stuff, um, 
that people are selling right now, it's insane. But, you know, you really look at it that these people are out of their mind. They're this and that. Um, and this is wider than our industry. Um, you know, you look at the supply of wood right now and the price increase. It's really not crazy when you think about it because this is supply and demand. That if someone is selling their used quad on um, Facebook, when you buy them for 9500 and and Joe Average rides it five times and wants to sell it for 10 grand, even though it's technically not worth that, what we're used to. If somebody can't go and buy one, what's it worth now? You can't <laughs> yeah. get it. This is where supply and demand. So to supply and demand makes everything go up, just like regular um, culture of, and, and this goes from the whole world, but it's impacted our sport in a very positive way. So I think right now, manufacturers within industry companies uh, making aftermarket parts cannot keep up with it. They have nothing in stock. Nobody can breathe right now. Their sales are higher than ever. A local dealership to me um, has said they've been in business for 20 years and they've had the highest uh, year of sales ever in 20 years. Probably going to do it again in 2021. They're still yep. rolling. Yep. And again, with these manufacturers and aftermarket part companies not being able to breathe, it's great because it's building back up the money of, you know, a lot of these are private, you know, family owned companies in our sport, but this will turn around in, I believe, um, not overly quick, not like a year, but I think two to three years, um, the within the industry company sponsors will be able to give back more increased sponsorships when most of our, my sponsorships have in the last few years, either stayed the same or got smaller just because, you know, people think the sport's getting smaller, but at the end of the day, this whole sport's a business. So companies aren't going to cut back because they don't want to, they're going to cut back because sales aren't there. But if sales are skyrocketing, I look at this in a positive way for someone, me, who's going to be in it a decently amount longer time. I think it's great for kids coming up to mm -hmm. look forward to that these companies within the industry, you know, whatever the aftermarket parts are going to be, are going to be able to support kids coming up based on sales in previous years. And I think if no question about it, if any manufacturer right now, I don't know if Polaris, Kawasaki, Suzuki, whatever, KTM, doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. If they had a sport quad out right now, it'd be sold out, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. So if Yamaha can't even make quads fast enough right now for mm -hmm. people to buy, I start to wonder, I bet you some other manufacturers are looking about putting their sport quad into production because it would sell right now. And this is a money thing this whole industry is money. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't stop making a quad because it was selling manufacturers stop making a quad because it wasn't selling, mm -hmm. you know? So I think, and I'll let you talk, cause I know you're, you're about to say some stuff, but you, this whole pandemic as much as it seems negative, this is going to help our sport so big in two to three years, I feel like the support and manufacturers will be able to give back a lot to the pro and amateur racers. And I think it's something to look forward to and people to come into our sport with it. Absolutely, man. So, um, yeah, I mean, to, to touch on, there's so much there, but the, the, the supply and demand, um, it's kind of like that, uh, that, that scene in the Wolf of wall street where he's like, sell me, sell me this pen. Sell me and, this he's pen. Like, and he's like, write down your name. 
yep. supply and demand. So, um, exactly. So, um, but yes, yeah, so much to unpack there. It's, it's bigger, it's bigger than ATV motocross. It's bigger than motocross. It's, it's, uh, motorsports, power sports, any outdoor stuff. That's what it's all about. Like, uh, for, for people like you and me, um, probably hard to connect to kids growing up nowadays, like, being hardcore gamers and hanging out in their dim rooms, you know, like stuff like that. Cause I grew up as I know you did spending 18 hours a day on my pit bike, you know, in the backyard, right? Like that's unfortunately, right, right, right. That's, that's how it is. So, um, when the pandemic hits and you can't do things inside, you can't do, you can't do, uh, things with your friends or other sports or anything indoor. You can't do stuff like that. You can't have get together. So what do you do? You go do power sports, motorsports, outside stuff. Um, and our industry has thrived. So yes, right now we're still running into the fact that, uh, supply and demand, like it's hard to get stuff. Um, but when, yeah, I mean, you but, the, but the, the demand people. is there, right? The demand is there. It's higher demand. than ever. Yeah. And people are buying quads and they got to go somewhere. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the numbers were from Texas with how many entries there were. And I, I should have, I should have looked, I don't know if you know, but I'm I curious don't. to know what this year um, our first round was, or, you know, pro second round, but amateur first round entries were compared to last year. And I'm, I'm curious to see Pennsylvania too. Like if all these people are buying quads, I would think it brings in people to racing. They got to go somewhere. You absolutely. Know? Absolutely. So I, I think this is nothing but positive. If you, if you look at it in a negative way, you know, you're the problem, you know? <laughs> well, and, and, and you're exactly right. Um, for so many places, 2020 was their biggest year, maybe ever or biggest in years. And 2021, uh, like, like you said, my local dealer says 2021 for them is bigger than 2020 was. And, uh, and I think touching on the races, the Texas turnout was big. It looked big. I mean, there was classes that were not used to being big that were huge, that were double gate drop classes. Um, so that was pretty impressive. Now I'm excited to go to Pennsylvania, kind of yeah. maybe more in the in the area where maybe more people come from, right? So mm-hmm. I think that uh, that's going to be really telling. I, I expect it's going to be. I expect it's going to be even bigger than Texas oh, yeah. was in um, being so centrally located, and uh, that's exciting for everybody involved. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. And it's two different ends of the country there, you know, Texas to Pennsylvania. And I feel like there was a good turnout in Texas. And I'm looking forward next weekend to seeing um, the turnout at High Point. I just, I think it's great. I think, you know, it hurt us initially in our sport and companies backed off because they were scared. Um, and our schedule was paused last year in 2020. But, you know, you'd be lying if you said you didn't see this turn around in a positive way. I mean, this is booming right now. And I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I really do. Absolutely. And uh, talking about supply and demand, and I know that there's another, there's another uh, shipment or another, you know, big allotment coming, but you touched on just getting your CSC tires. I just got mine too within the last couple of weeks. I know that there was people like waiting, like, Hey, let me know, you know, when they're available on the website or whatever. And it didn't take but a week or two and they were sold out again. Right. So talk about supply and demand and talk about, uh, you know, I mean, that CSC tire I've been saying, Hey, I've been, 
exactly. I've been talking about the CST takeover for three or four years now, but then add, you know, Joel, add Jeffrey, obviously you've been a long time, you know, uh, you know, banging that drum for a long time. So have I now, but uh, the CST takeover is for real. So um, just want to throw that out there that uh, they will be available again soon, but uh, talking about supply and demand, it didn't take, but, uh, but uh, a couple days a week or whatever. And that well had run dry. People wanted them so bad, which is awesome, which is great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's great. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, no better way to end this segment with some positivity. High point is next. Uh, like we talked about, do you have a favorite high point memory? Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess in 2015, it was actually really bad conditions, but things that stick out in my head, I mean, the track's been, it's been so similar, but it's been so different at times. And I won Pro-Am there. I actually went 3-2, I believe in 2015 for the first overall it was i, mud remember, race I remember it i remember it being yeah. a mud hole were you riding you were, you were riding for chad then uh no i ran i rode for chad in 14 oh okay. and that was myself okay. in 15 okay um yeah i mean it's always been a cool track i'm kind of bummed they took that triple out behind the starting gate because it was kind of sketchy but kind of cool at the same time <laughs> and I, I like tricky jumps like that and i would probably like it more now being a more experienced rider but you know another thing that was cool I, I didn't do phenomenal in the race, um, but I was watching the ATV motocross video recently from us there in 2018. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I go back often and watch videos from the tracks of the year or previous years prior. We were yeah. there. We so, do I, so do I. So do I. You look at the scouting. video of the first moto in 2018 from start to finish. It's freaking nuts. Yes, it it's is. Nuts. And, I, and I got, I was in fifth, fourth, fifth, fourth. And it was just crazy. Like, and then you see Joel go off the track in the beginning, comes from last to second, mm-hmm. goes through me, and Rastrelli stalls, holds up weenie. Like, there's there's so much that goes on in that first moto. Like, it, it's pretty exciting for anyone to watch. And it's a uh, very hard pack track. And I actually really enjoy hard pack. I think it's a lot of fun. And I just, I get, I'm pretty comfortable on it every time I go. I love elevation and I love hard pack. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what I can do there. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. That was one of, if not the wildest ATV motocross races I can truly remember. And obviously yeah. there was a gap of time there for, you know, five years or whatever that I wasn't able to watch the races because um, I was on the track. But uh, that was the yeah. most wild moto that I have ever seen from, like you said, from the battle up front with, with Joel or Jeffrey and Chad, Joel, you know, crashes, crashes early. Um, you know, Thomas was that moto. I think that was that moto that Thomas goes flipping at the end of the, at the the last turn, like in the last two turns, it was that step up. Yeah. Yeah. When you watch the video from the whole day, Rastrelli wrecked over that step up. Weenan went off. Weenan's the only one that technically like didn't have a huge issue over it, but he lost. But he gave the up the lead. Yeah. He gave up the lead. Yeah. You watched it. Thomas Brown ate it over. Joel gave up the lead and almost crashed, but stayed on. It gave all those guys a run. I actually didn't hit that um, that year. And um, I mean, if it was given those four guys around three years ago, I'm sure it would have given me a run. But, right. Well, um, you know, you touched on that triple being sad that that triple was gone, but overall the track layout was much better than it had ever been by a landslide, too. by a yeah. landslide. Oh, that place is sick. Yeah. So, and it looks like, it looks like from what I've seen, I mean, we should expect pretty much the same layout we had in 2018. Um, so, so pretty stoked on that. And, you know, the result, you know, bringing it to present day here, the results sheet didn't, 
I don't think it necessarily showed um, in Texas how next level fast you were again. I mean, you showed in Texas that this is a whole new Nick Janusa this year. There was a couple of mistakes. It sounded like maybe you were having uh, maybe a little mechanical issue at one point, maybe in the first moto or something there. Yeah, I, th- I could touch on it real quick. It was the first moto I was in uh, third and then Bryce went off the track and then I was in second and then I was battling with Chad for a few laps and he got around me um, and then he put a good line there and he was working this inside on me that I didn't think he was going to get because the exit of the outside was so much better, but he put a good move on me on the inside. And then I think a lap or two later, like with no warning, I lost my front brakes and it was so sketchy because I was coming into that left-hander before the finish line flying and my front brakes, which I rely on a lot, went to the handlebars and I'm glad I saved it. Cause I just, I went for the inside and I just went straight, tried not to wreck. And um, I'm bummed because I was in a really good spot. I was in third and Bryce is really fast and I wanted to stack myself up against him straight up. That was like a perfect time to do it. And unfortunately I, you know, you're people are, you know, kind of poking at me in a funny way. Like you don't need brakes to go fast, but man, you do need brakes to go fast. Oh, dude. Once my brakes were gone, it was like, we were so far ahead of um, fifth that I just like rolled around the rest of the motor. Like I didn't care. Like, I'm in fourth. Yeah. I take it for what it is. Just stay ahead of fifth. Even if I beat him by a wheel, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the second moto, um, I'll blame myself a little bit. You know, my start wasn't terrible. I was in, it, it was sixth and I went right to fifth. And what I saw the second moto was in between the two pro motos, they groomed the track and they groomed all the insides, like all of them randomly, it seemed like. And the first moto, you were able to use both lines and they were pretty even. And then the second moto, everybody went back to insides. So I think it was Wolf who was putting up a great ride. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he was not going the speed that the front guys were going. And he was taking the dominant inside line. And I feel like when I tried an outside almost anywhere, I lost a lot of time. And then that's how he got around me. I was trying to pass Hogan in the beginning of that race. I tried an outside to get around him when he was taking these groomed insides and Wolf got me and I, I wasn't able to make the pass um, at all. The whole moto, I think there was two laps left. I put a pretty nutty pass on uh, Wolf and was in fourth. Finally. I mean, the front pack was gone. It was over for them, but mm-hmm. I went to fourth and I take the blame. I made a just huge mistake and came through a turn. And I think I pulled back too late when, you know, you see a, a turning whoop, whoop, whooped out turn. And you know how you got to pull up and give gas at the same time to get over some, some of them. And I think I pulled up too late and missed the preload in those. And I just got thrown off the track and had to take quite the detour around yep. the next jump and yep. got passed by the two guys. And man, I was so frustrated. My temp light was on and the bike was so overheating. I was just out of tear off. It was just it was so frustrating because I have so much more in me. And that was, um, it was, hopefully that's my worst motto. You know, it, it's just not me. And it's just, it was, I had my work cut out for me and I can't blame anyone else but myself. You know, that was just couldn't get around fast enough. 
So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew, I mean, that's basically where I was going with that is the results. She didn't show how well you were still riding uh, that a couple things there. First of all, anybody that says that, uh, you know, you don't need your front brakes to go fast has no idea what they're okay. talking about. I mean, you could, you could probably lose your rear brakes and not really miss a beat. Um, I especially could, yeah. especially I would... on that kind of track, but uh, yeah, I mean, to lose your fronts, there's, there's no way you're going to keep that thing up front uh, like that. Um, and then, yeah, that, that was a, a big, big mistake that you made there. And, and it looked like, I mean, you were going to, you were going to have fourth on the day and that was the, that was the, just, the basement. That was the, that. yeah, that was the basement of like how it was going to go. And then you make that mistake. And, um, and then, yeah, to touch on, it's very difficult place to be in between somebody you're trying to pass and have somebody behind you, right? Like that's the worst place that's to be in as a racer. You're, you're just going, you know, you look at the lap times and I was two seconds a lap faster the first moto or more than the little pack I was running with, but I was stuck in just the middle spot of, mm-hmm. you know, a dominant racetrack line. And if I tried something else, I was getting passed and give up the spot. It's, yeah, a, it's a very hard spot to be in sometimes, but um, I learned a lot from it a lot and I'm not going to let that happen again. So. Yeah. Well, uh, fun to hear that insight where I was going with all that was as if, uh, if you keep up that speed that you've shown us at the, at the first two races, um, you're going to be right up front again, uh, next weekend. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Awesome, pal. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, thanks so much for being such a great guest. Uh, you touched on earlier, you know, people maybe, you know, whatever, hating you or loving you or whatever. Um, I don't know how you couldn't come away from, you know, these interviews, these conversations that we've had with you on the show um, and not been uh, made uh, a fan of, of you and, and your race program. I This is coming from somebody that with five corners to go in a pro-am race, you passed me. And, and to give up, to give up a pro-am win. And still you have made me such a fan after the conversations that we've had on here, obviously I'm joking, but, uh, the, the, you, you've made me such a fan here by, uh, the, the conversations we've had. I've told you that, uh, our conversations have been some of my favorites on here. So I'm just, uh, pumped, stoked for your time, stoked for you to do this and, and stoked that we were able to give you an opportunity to speak on everything that happened, give us an insight. And, uh, after all this, it's got me extra excited for, for high point as well. So I, uh, just appreciate everything, pal. Anytime. Happy birthday again. Thanks so much, pal. That's, uh, that's Nick Janusa. who will look to keep uh, his great start to the 2021 season going in Pennsylvania. Just a couple weeks from now brought to you by our friends at CST tires, go to shop.csttires.com to pick up a fresh set of pulse MXR tires for the 2021 season. Thanks again, pal. We'll see you in a couple weeks. See you there. Thank you. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST Takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rostrelli are the most recent additions. 
The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft comp on rears, the back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you? CST tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Wienan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship-winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength to weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship level edge. 
DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online e-tailer. DID, what drives you? We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side -side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits, Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. 4Works Carbon's innovative, lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. All right, guys, stoked to welcome this guy back to the show, brought to you by our friends at DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. It's Mr. Jeffrey Rostrelli. What's up, pal? Thanks for uh, taking a little time to fit digging deep into your schedule. Oh, yeah, no problem, uh, Cody. I appreciate you having me on. I uh, always look forward to coming on here and talking about it. Yeah, yeah, it's something a little different today. I mean, High Point is up next. Um, just a couple weeks from now, the the National Series is heading to the historic Pennsylvania track for the first time since 2018. And uh, 2018 High Point was one of, if not the biggest highlights of your career, at least from my perspective. So uh, I thought it'd be fun to, to throw it back to that big day for you and uh, kind of tell the story of that day before we head back there just a couple weeks from now. So Jeffrey, um, how does that day rank for you? When you think about it, that has to be one of your your favorite racing memories, I would assume. Absolutely. Um, like, like I said right before you joined, uh, could, it's a great memory to, to think that I almost won my first race, but uh, it could be a lot better. Of course, um, I could have won, and that could have been you know the most all time memory. Uh, but <laughs> I, uh, I I don't know. I, I I don't know how to explain it. Like I have great feelings about it, and I have bad feelings about it. It's hard sure. to explain, but. I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to go back and hopefully, uh, hopefully do well and, and um, yeah, just kind of redeem myself from the last time. Uh -huh. Yeah. So that was my first year being out of the pro class and I was pretty pumped to be able to watch that. I mean, when you're on the track, you obviously don't get to, don't get to see, especially when, you know, for somebody like me, who's mid pack, right? Like you're not able to see the racing at the front of the, the class. So then to, to see the racing that day, to see how incredible of a, of a ride you had that, that was uh pretty impressive. So um, I'm sure it feels like the reason why you feel the way you do is because it feels like, you know, the one that got away, I assume. Absolutely. Um, 
but Absolutely. for so so for starters uh the track layout was the layout not a thousand times better than it had had ever been previously at high point for us because yeah that uh, track feel, was awesome i feel like i feel like high point was always like my least favorite race of the year like the track was not yeah. good and uh mm-hmm. in 2018 it was mint so that's got me uh pretty stoked to go back there if the if the layout's going to be the same yeah for sure the track was awesome that year there's a lot of big hits um and i honestly didn't mind it being as hard packed as it was because it was really dry that year but i honestly liked it because it allowed you to get a lot of speed and not be sketchy to go hit those big jumps and stuff you know the track was flat yeah. and not rut- like weirdly rutted and whatnot so Yep. Um, it was really enjoyable that year. And what was crazy was, is I didn't go in, you know, in time qualifying, I wasn't anything spectacular. Like, um, Thomas even got me for third in time qualifying. So I was starting off the day in fourth and I actually came in the, in the first corner and uh, the second corner as well, sixth place. And somehow ended up in third coming out of that corner. Okay. And then it was just, it was game on from there. It was just a really good race. And, um, a lot of things went my way, but that day I felt, I felt really dialed. It was a good feeling for sure. Yeah, and I, yeah. I want that. I want that back. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, um, I remember you, there was that goofy little step up thing, right. And you clipped it mm-hmm. in, in qualifying. And it seemed mm-hmm. like, like literally every top guy had a problem with that step up sometime that day. So for you, uh, it was in qualifying, which was a, which was a, a good thing kind of to get out of your system. So, um, then in a, in a way, in a, yeah, in a way it was, but in a way, in a way, I wish I could have cleaned it in qualifying and kept doing it all day. But like, cause the first time I hit it, I wadded up and I'm like, yeah. dude, I'm not hitting that thing. Like I'm, I'm a dude to do some, some dumb things and to do some crazy jumps. But that one, it got me the first time I hit it. And I was like, I'm good on that. I don't right. need any part of it. Well, like, I, don't, I don't want any part of it. I felt like I got away. Like, if you've seen the wreck, I got away safe. Like, I got away so clean. <laughs> I know. If it happens again, it's not going to be pretty like that. I'm going to get hurt. Like, right. it was like, here's a, gi- here's a gift. Take it and run. And I was like, all right, I'll just make it up somewhere else on the track. And uh-huh. I did. I did yeah. that day. I had some really good sections that were – dude, I look I, – I watched the race before we got on here just to really refresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, man, I had a lot of good points there. There was, like, I don't even know how I was going as fast as I was through some of the sections, so. It was a uh, man is what a memory, but I freaking, I, I let it go. I let it go. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, like, like you said, it's, it's, it's fun to still um, think back of some of like the, the highest highs that you've had um, could have been on that day. Right. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, still sure. like, obviously, you know, maybe you want more or whatever, obviously you want more, but uh, yeah, it was still pretty impressive. Like talking about that, uh, that step up, like first it happens to you, then it happens to Joel at the beginning of the first moto. Um, you know, Thomas ends up cartwheeling at, at some point there at the end of one of the races, uh, Chad jumps off the track there at the end of the second moto. So, I mean, uh, it was, a, it was, the a thing sp- was gnarly, man. I'm telling yeah. you that thing was something serious and it, it was, it was sketchy. I had, I, like I said, I had nothing to do with it. I tried it once and I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I'll make it up. I'll make right, it up. I promise right, I got right. to. Like, uh, I just refused. I'm never a person to refuse jumping something that day. I refused to jump that thing. Was it, like, was, it was just the, it was just so the it's funny, but yeah, we all did have a problem to think about it. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. It was just the technicality the top of four it. that day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so, uh, so gate drops in moto one and take it from there. Tell us about that, that, uh, unforgettable moto for you. 
But it all, you know, like I said, it all started in the first turn. I came in, I thought I had the whole shot. Like I was like, I had a really good start. Everybody else did too, of course. And uh, we come in the, in the first corner, I was sixth. And we go down the, down the hill to take the right-hander. And I was in third coming out of that corner. Joel obviously made a mistake the first lap. And it was just me and Chad. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden we were out there by ourselves. And um, I guess that'd be just a minute ago. I, I, I refused to jump that jump and he was doing it. And I just like, I'm not doing it. So <laughs> how I did it, I made it to where I jumped off that, that, that jump really right. So mm-hmm. it made me a straight shot for the next like left-hand hip. Yep. to make up a little time there. And then I would go up up the hill there, take a left jump down the tabletop and go down the hill to the off camber. And Chad was skating around the inside every lap. And I was real on the outside. I mean, I had the line from the first lap and I would catch him back right there from that double at lo- the time I lost. I would catch him back to that corner. Yep. And then you did the triple uphill. And then you had the finish line section. And Chad was going more right and kind of pitching it and and going more left coming out of the corner where I was jumping the finish line super far left and I was pitching it super early and driving down the hill practically sideways and then catch and then catching the bottom of the turn and apexing it straight to the next like single mm-hmm. and that I had carried so much momentum through that corner that I was five bike lengths back from him the lap I passed him and I went through that corner and caught him down the straightaway and passed him that's yes. five bike lengths back. It was insane. And I don't know, like I said, man, I don't know what got out my butt that day. But that day, <laughs> I rode that track. But I always seem to um, do better at the hard pack tracks. And I grew up in Florida. Isn't that in so weird? Sand. Yeah. I, I ride hard pack better. I'm a hard pack rider. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. Even last, last year, the same thing. Where I did better was where it was hard pack. Yeah. It's so weird. So weird. But – um, yeah, and then I, pa- I, I passed him right there going down that straightaway, I think on the fifth or sixth lap, and I laid down a heater that mm-hmm. only me and Joel ran 156s that moto. Everybody else was 158. Okay. I only ran one of them, but that, that next lap as I passed Chad, I was like, um, I have more. You know, I have more in my tank. I, mm-hmm. I pushed it. And I pulled away, and um, I kind of started riding tight. Like after that push, <laughs> that push lap, like so I was like, I kind of rode so tight, and I started getting a little bit a little bit fatigued and I think it was three laps left and come down in the corner after the start and I was hitting a really inside rut that nobody else was hitting Chad I don't, Chad wasn't hitting it either he was going a little further out mm-hmm. but I hit it a little too hard my hand flipped off the throttle and I stalled the bike uh, and, and you can see like, that you can see that on the on the the GoPro it's you know you can hear like that distinct go- yeah yeah I hit uh. the gas I hit the gas to power out of the rut and when I hit the rut, it just it jarred my bars weird and knocked my hand off the bars, and I was going like I was letting off the clutch to exit, yeah. and I stalled the bike. I mean, it's it, it eats me up. Like why why you know you always think why like why why did that happen? I don't know. I don't really know. And I think about it a lot. I thought about that for a long time. That race in particular, especially. Mm-hmm. And this is a fun fact that probably nobody knows, but I was on all time high. You know, leaving there like I almost won my first motor. I passed Chad straight up. I I'm I'm improving I'm improving mm-hmm. then the next the next week I was training with Joel I broke my back mm-hmm. the next week I was an all-time high oh you know it was like an all-time high and then that happened it was just crazy to think about that like, it was like the peak of my career I feel like and then boom and like that it's done so mm-hmm. um it's just gonna kind of crazy to think about when I when I look back at it that 
at that race in that time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is uh, crazy. Cause that next race was when you tried to race at, at Walnut. Right. And yeah, yeah I tried to race with a broken back. I raced, yeah. but yeah, I didn't, yes. do, I didn't do yes. good, but I, I was, I went, I stayed out there the whole moto. Mm -hmm. Actually I give Hayden crap still to this day. Sorry, Hayden, but I beat him the first, I think the first or second moto and I couldn't even stand up. Oh, I was so funny. I was like, <laughs> I was like, hey, no way. He's like, dude, my thumb was tired. I was like, that's Garcia's like messing with him. It's funny. Uh, that's so. funny. Well, there's a couple, there's a couple things to take like, away though. Like uh, focusing on the positive side of it. Um, there's a few different times where you've brought up to me, you know, that, uh, you know, it, it wasn't you just pushing for a podium spot, like in you, in your past, like something that you've done has pushed for wins. Like that's a, exactly that's something that not that many people can say. Um, and the other thing is the pass itself, the, the way you've passed Chad. I passed him on the inside. I oh, was, did you? Right okay. I was right, but I was right behind him. Like I was on his bumper after that little single next to the mechanics area, you know, he had a little inside single. We're going okay. down straight away another left hand, left hand sweeper. And I was yep. pushing his bumper practically. And then he was still fading out. Like I was waiting for him to cut in so I could try to sweep around him. But he never went in, so I, I just I, I just turned left and dove and hit the gas and like gotcha. dove in in front of him. Gotcha. And then yep. this, and, this, and then uh, he just kind of pushed out wide and got no trash. And I went down the hill on the inside, which was I don't know. I, I to me, you know, Chad's one of the best ever. It was kind of crazy to me that he left the door open right there. Like mm -hmm. I, I mean, he's not that guy. You know, it was like here's here it is, Jeffrey, take it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, boom, I took it. Right. It was weird because yeah. the whole the other the other laps before that, he protected it. So mm. I don't know if he was kind of letting me by to maybe try to learn something, you know, because he knew maybe I was a little bit faster in some parts. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's still crazy to think, uh, back on that day. Um, because obviously, you know, I've said a number of times on these shows, you know, you and I race for forever. You're obviously, uh, you know, I consider you a friend and all these things. So then it was just like the, the graduation of like you grabbing another gear, kind of graduating to another level. Like that's what that day felt like. And that's kind of why I wanted to be able to talk about this because, um, you know, you, you, you ended up third in that moto you and Chad kind of got stuck together. He gets going, you get back up, you know, get going after you start that thing. Third in the moto, you end up going three, three on the day. The second moto was another good moto for you. You know, you started well, ended up third overall, but to it me, wasn't, it wasn't my best moto, but right. it wasn't like the first one, but yeah, it was right. good. I actually went back to fifth after I stalled it there. I went back to fifth mm -hmm. at a past Janusa back and then Thomas had that wreck. So it kind of, right. Thomas gave me that third. So it was, <laughs> but, I was lucky there. But more than anything, it was, um, you know, because in my mind, that memory, the, the, when I think of High Point 2018, I think of the shots of you leading Chad, right? Like, that's just how I think yeah, of it. It gives me goosebumps. Right. And, <laughs> and, and it just, it, it wasn't your typical podium day. It was more than that. Like, that was my takeaway from High Point 2018. Yeah, me too. And that's where it's just the, like we've talked about in previous episodes of the, the injury type thing. Like I was, I, I took a step. I went to another level, dude. I was, I was motivated. I was more fit than I've ever been. I, I don't know. I was running the fastest I've ever ran miles. You know, I was mm -hmm. like, I would felt the best I ever have. And then boom, broke my back. It's just, it happens like the, the, the kryptonite to my, to my career, you know, it's like always getting injured in the wrong time. So it was, it's, it's great to talk about and it's, uh, it's great to think about, but then, you know, like I said, it's always like that horror type <laughs> deal, like right after it. And then, 
it was just a struggle the rest of the year of course I was I was getting podiums like Thomas only got one podium that year until I broke my back like we were we were four four or five rounds deep and I was the I was the you know second third place guy every round and I don't know. It just, uh, like I said, it's just a horror and good feelings all at the same time. So I'm glad to go back, get a little redemption and, and enjoy the track. Cause that track, like you said, was honestly amazing that year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping for a lot of the same. I can't think of a better place to uh, get back on the podium for you for the first time, you know, in, in two years or whatever it's been, you know, the next podium, we've kind of been talking about this. The next podium for you is going to be the 20th of your career, which I think is going to be a cool thing to check off the the list. I mean, 20 is a big deal, I feel like. And uh, heading back to high point, uh, you know, I would assume if nothing else, even like after a conversation like this, you got to bring in a little momentum or if nothing else, you're obviously like feeling good vibes when you get there, I would think. Absolutely. I would think so. You know, it's just uh, what, you know, it's always stuck in the back of your head. We haven't had any hard pack rounds yet. Mm -hmm. Like that hard pack, like that, that place gets like it usually is, which it will. Mm -hmm. It's, we haven't, we haven't wrote our new machines. We haven't tested this like big time on hard pack stuff. And me personally, I'm working with a new motor package with Phoenix. So we're kind of going in there blindfolded a little bit, but definitely bringing vibes from, you know, past years and, and feeling good about how I can ride that track. It's just how we tackle the day is going to be the, the key. I mean, on those, on those new machines and doing little adjustments to make that, make that work. Because like I said, we were on the Hondas forever. We had a base setting and that's what we did, but we haven't had a, and we rode those at all those different tracks for all those years. So, um, I don't think we're behind eight ball. I just think that that's going to be the bigger point uh, when we go to high point is kind of make sure we dial those bikes in and qualifying and then we should be rocking and rolling because they're hey. definitely have the power and everything. So it should hey, be good. And the other thing too, is the way that the schedule played out this year, um, you know, with Daytona first, obviously that's a, a non-typical round. And then, you know, three palms too, like, it's not your typical, non-typical. Yeah. Exactly. It's not your typical national track. So I still don't feel like we've seen like where everybody is at. We haven't seen high speed. Exactly. Yeah. We haven't seen how this is all going to play out yet. This high points, very, very high speed. I mean, that year was, I think, I think a lot of people were timid on the track because of how fast it was and how mm -hmm. hard it was. Mm -hmm. It was scary, man. It was how fast we had to go that back quad. I mean, we're hitting that thing freaking, I don't know how fast, but it was gnarly, man. Yeah. That's a big jump. We're floating forever. We're like, I mean, like, you know, check the watch while you're up there. Right, right, it's right. nuts. But um, I think a lot of people were like, I don't know, if they have that fear of going really fast, that's not the place you want to try to go there, go fast. So yeah, um, maybe that'll be an upside to us. We, um, I'm right now riding a lot of high speed tracks down here in Florida. I mean, it is sandy, but um, they're more high, high paced and, um, just trying to work on that because like we said we've been training for those unorth unorthodox rounds that are tight tracks so mm -hmm. yeah these well next ones these next ones will definitely tell i think tell a little different story than yeah. than these past couple for sure yeah i'm excited for it uh like i said i wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about what was an awesome day for you so hopefully we can uh you know have focused on the positives more than the you oh, know for the, sure. no the, doubt. No the doubt. shitty no feelings no of, of yeah. you know that's no, it's just uh you know it, it, it brings back been. you know it brings back a lot of different things but it's definitely going to the track, you know, I'm not thinking about, about, you know, the injury or whatever, but it's just, it's always, it's always like, you know, it's like, yeah. think about it. It's like, man, what could have been the rest of the year, you know, mm -hmm. if that didn't happen, but um, yeah. no, I'm definitely stoked to go back to high point and, and redeem myself from the past couple of rounds. They haven't been, uh, they haven't dealt me good hands here the past couple, couple races. So um, 
you know, it's just a matter of getting up front from the start and we should be just fine. I'm looking I, forward to it. I think so too. I mean, you've, uh, you've had some, some shitty hands dealt to you and some hurdles to overcome and stuff like that. So, uh, looking forward, uh, you know, to you doing something special up at high point again. Uh, I know, uh, so many of us want to see that. And, uh, like I tell you every time, I mean, obviously we're pulling for you and, uh, love, you know, to have you on the show here and, uh, you know, discuss these types of things and everything like that. So I just can't thank you enough for joining us and, uh, yeah, t- talking about what was an awesome day for you. It was fun to, uh, you know, relive, um, you know, know such a great day from the past for you for sure yeah it was awesome man it's it's definitely a good day good memories of uh of going to the front in the best of the world you know i, I haven't done that in quite some time just so definitely to think back on on those memories is huge so um i'd like to get back up there and that's the of course the goal but and positives for sure positives coming out of there and going in there there's an extra race so Hey, those CS, um, those CST tires yeah. are, are those CST tires are going to uh, are going to be your secret weapon up there too. No doubt, no doubt. I'm looking forward to uh, to riding those bad boys on some real hard pack. <laughs> Done some you know light hard pack work, but mm-hmm. nothing crazy. So and uh, yeah, those things are definitely the bee's knees, man. And I'm really happy with uh, with those tires set up, and, and you know can't uh, can't thank them enough for the support supporting you and on this show and supporting me as a racer. So um, yeah, that's great. And, uh, I'm looking forward to high point and look forward to seeing you guys there. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing you too, pal. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll see you up there. Okay. Yeah, thanks Cody. I appreciate it. You're the man. That's Jeffrey Rastrelli brought to you by DID racing chain and their 520 ATV two chain. See you soon, pal. Thanks again. Thank you. As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed clients' expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to impactsolutionsatv.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. 
DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back -back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs, from hard parts to riding gear. Bike Strikes and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Gripped's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leaving that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. 
With over 25 years of experience, the Concrete Division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundrievilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, guys, our final guest of the night is another guy I'm stoked to welcome back to the podcast. Brought to you by Gripped Gloves. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 at GRIPTGloves.com today because everyone wants good-looking gloves for an even better price. Say hello to Mr. Brandon Hogue. What's up, mate? Thanks for uh, jumping back on here with us. What's up, mate? Yeah, thanks for having me back on again. I appreciate it. Hey, so uh, right off the bat, I've been meaning to tell you this. Probably should have told you in person because it doesn't concern the podcast that much. But um, you called my mom, you old lease, when you <laughs> when you stayed with me. That's just for whatever reason. I don't even know where it came from. You old lease. And yep. still to this day, everybody in the household calls my mom old lease for that old reason. Old lease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I still... I still remember like when I stayed at your house, like, yeah, man. And some of the stuff she did for me, like I would wake up, my laundry's done on the mm-hmm. bed. Like I've, it was insane, but yeah. Holy. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so, so we brought you in today for something a little bit different. High point is uh, next on the schedule and you had a pretty unforgettable performance last time that, um, that we were at high point last time uh, we were there, it was 2018. And uh, it's crazy to think that, you hadn't even won your pro-am title at that point. So uh, it's almost hard to believe how freaking far you've come since high point 2018, uh, the kind of the race we're going to talk about today. It's crazy to think about that. Yeah, it is. And it was cool. Um, like high point for me, that moto specifically was my first like win in a okay. moto for pro-am too. Which, okay. And at that point in time in the series, like I was, I don't even know. I think I was sixth in points or something. Like I was out of the picture with a pro-am championship. So it was cool to like that moto specifically kind of turned my season around. Okay. So, and, and that is almost how I remember it. Um, how after that moto, that second moto at high point 2018, it was like, I don't know if it was you realizing you could go win this thing or whatever, but it's like, after that, it felt like you had so much momentum for that next, I don't know, like most second half of the season. At least that's how it seemed. How was that? Uh, is that how it kind of felt for you when you think back on it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like after the race, I remember going to eat dinner. I think I was with Sam Rowe and Joel Hetrick. Uh, okay. like we went to like a Texas roadhouse and it was the first time like eating dinner. I realized that I was just as fast as the people I was racing against and I like could win. Mm-hmm. And then I heard them mention it at dinner. Like, I think Sam Rowe was like, dude, you were like, that was insane what I just did. And I'm like, really? And yeah, <laughs> stuff like that takes me, it takes me really far, like hearing really good words about my sure. performance. 
Sure. Yeah. So you ended, uh, you ended up third overall on the day there, but, um, the most memorable part of it was obviously the, the second moto. So tell us the story of your, uh, your pro-am second moto there. I think you were sixth in the first moto. Um, and then, uh, you know, you get the win there in your second moto. So tell us that story because it was pretty, uh, it was truly un, un, unforgettable, unbelievable, however you want to say it. Um, that mm-hmm. second moto was amazing. Yeah. Uh, first off, like that first moto was a mud race and I was super pissed off with like where I finished (laughs) and I I love high point already. Like it's a hard pack track and just the the track is sick. Uh, but yeah, the second moto, I remember all the way to halfway point, like I was pretty buried in the pack and like, I think I was fifth or something like that. Um, and then I like, I think Alan was ahead and Alan ended up wrecking. Okay. And that made me just like, I don't know why, but it made me full send to the front. And uh, yeah, like I got behind the guy in front of me. I think it was Parker, we're worker at the time. And I realized like I was the faster guy and, and made the pass. And then I kept looking forward and like, next thing you know, I caught the next guy and passed the next guy. And, and all within, I think it was a lap or two laps. Like mm-hmm. I ended up, going up to the front and like realizing you know there's nobody else in front of me and and yeah like it was it was a crazy feeling to realize like I was capable to be that much faster than than the pack that I was in so um you know, obviously like we've seen motocross races, whether it was like old stuff with like Blake Baggett or something like that, but that's what the remind, uh, the ride reminded me of where like you're cruising around, you know, just racing your race. And then all of a sudden at the midway point or even past that, you just throw it into high gear and decide I'm going to go to the front. And like I said, the, uh, before we hit record on this thing, I mean, the memory that I had was like you going from fifth to first in the last two laps. And this story had to be told. Um, and you know, uh, you know, having you, you know, you stayed with me, like you said, you know, you stayed with us for a while and stuff like that. And in your younger years, and uh, you obsessively watched these videos of Joel Hetrick and uh, like he was, you know, your, your hero and your idol and all these things. And on that day at high point on a Joel Hetrick style racetrack, you know, you looked like Joel Hetrick. Like it was, that was, that was what I took away from that day. Like I remember watching it, like, he did it like he, and, and I've told you this before and on the podcast and stuff too, but it's like, you were mm-hmm. just going to make it happen no matter what. And in that day was like the culmination of man, he did everything he had to do and he made it happen. And, uh, you yeah. like, like, like I said, I mean, you go from fifth to first at the end of the moto, win your first pro-am moto, like you said, and then go on to win that pro-am title. That was uh pretty incredible. Yeah. I would say that moto specifically was like, like still to this day, it's probably one of the most, most like, uh, biggest performances I've had. Mm-hmm. And, and it is cool that you bring up like, I look like Joel in that moto because I remember also talking to Joel, like I watching him race and come through the pack. I saw the lines he was doing, like he would sweep stuff out to in and he could also like find traction where I don't know if it's the Yamaha or what, but he could find traction where other riders couldn't. Okay. And then when I started a ride that that's just what happened was like, I found traction that the other guys didn't. 
and then and then the line choices too like i remember um right after the start there's a left-hander and then a right-hander yep but i could sweep that that turn and then cut back under and i had traction the whole way through and like just trying to do exactly what i watched joel do on saturday and then hearing him also and like what you just said when we were eating dinner he he mentioned that you know i was making really good lines and i'm like nice like that that's the study and paying off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I remember like before the, that quad on the backside. Yeah. And you were like the only dude on the racetrack, like at times, at least running that inside line of like hitting those rollers and you were doing mm-hmm. it like while sliding sideways. And again, like you were the only dude on the racetrack using that line. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it was unorthodox. It was crazy. But uh, again, to, to see you go fifth to first in the Pro-Am class, when you're talking about the Pro-Am class that was that stacked and as fast as it was at the time, Troy Hill won that day. I think that was probably his only Pro-Am win. Um, but mm-hmm. Par- Parker was in there. You were in there. Cody Ford, Alan Myers, uh, Hayden Mickelson was in there at the time, Wes Lewis. Um, the class was, was stacked and you mm-hmm. raced through those guys uh, at the end of the moto to get the win. It was, uh, again, it was a unforgettable day. And that's why, uh, like I said, I kind of wanted to be able to tell that story because um, I just always think it's cool too, to, to remember when pros were, were in lesser classes, because it also shows like you guys are so gnarly. The class is so gnarly. The pro class is so gnarly. Um, but you were also like gnarly. And then to tell this story, it's like, that was the beginning of you being kind of the Brandon Hogue we know now. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's cool too. Like I, I must just be a really big, uh, like mental guy, but getting the moto in like that took me to where I ended up winning the the title, but mm-hmm. that's just how it's crazy how sport works like that because it's even like my rookie year of pro. Yeah, I remember after my first podium, like I felt like a different person lining up. I would line up next to guys and be like, "Oh, I'm faster than this guy now." Like, sure. and then um, I I mean, you know, it's just how I am. Like, and and bringing it back to this year real quick, like, yeah. I don't think it's it's really uh, talked about enough about how stacked and how fast they're going right now, mm-hmm. because like like Joel on the Yamaha is really impressive, and Chad's right there, and Bryce and Wesley stepped it up, and Janusa obviously stepped it up. Um, like these guys are not, you know, the the class right now compared to even last year and my first rookie year is yep. totally different. Agreed. Like Agreed. Yeah. So you, you obviously know it because you've been out there, but um, last year, you know, I think we talked about how stacked the class was and that it was the, the, the most uh, stacked class that we've seen in the longest time and this, that, and the other thing. And this year, I think it's that much more stacked. Like you said, I mean, it looks like guys took it to another level. And when you look at the class, like all, every single guy on the line, like, you know, you talk about how fast the pro class is, but this pro class specifically there's not a single cupcake out there. Like there is not a single guy that isn't at least, you know, at recent races. I mean, we know some riders are going to come and go and some riders are going to, you know, add their, you know, their hat to the ring and all these things. But um, the class right now is as fast as I can remember it being. I mean, the way I look at it, it was like, 
now I'm the cupcake right now. Like, like I'm telling you, it's just, I don't know, three palms. Yeah. It's over with for sure. But yeah, like it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the year goes for sure. Mm -hmm. But so we, we just got done talking about this with Jeffrey, but like the way the schedule is this year though, it's been, it's not normal. So Daytona is atypical. It's not like the rest of the races. Three mm-hmm. Palm two is not like the rest of the races on a man-made track with, and I love it there. I love three palms, but it's not normal. So now mm-hmm. like, I still don't feel like we've seen the class and the races and kind of the dynamic exactly how it's going to go. Um, I think high points going to be more telling than anything we've seen so far. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I think, I think racing every two weeks is going to be good for us again. Sure. It's going to help me. I feel like, uh, I hate the breaks. Like as (laughs) much as I feel like I can improve, I end up going backwards every time we have a break. So Mm -hmm. I want to get back to racing like every two weeks. And then, yeah, three poems was like, for me, it just sucked. I know for a lot of people it was good. Uh, and yeah, I'm hoping that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, dude, but I'm hoping that the year turns around for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I think, uh, I think that this is going to be the perfect place to kind of turn things around. You know, I think of you for whatever reason. Um, I often think of you as a hard packed rider. I don't, I mean, maybe the, that, that seed was planted that day at high point, that memory in my mind that I can't, uh, can't get out of there, but I think of you doing really well on, on hard packed tracks. And, um, I have to think, you know, heading up there, um, you know, kind of, I mean, I don't know if momentum comes with it, but good vibes have to be there, uh, you know, from, from good memories, good performances and stuff in the past. And I can think I can just hear it in your voice that, uh, going back to high point seems like, um, it could be the kind of the perfect, uh, you know, kind of situation to, um, you know, maybe get things back on the right track or however you want to say it in this 2021 season. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely my style and uh really good, good vibes going back there. It's been a while since we've been there and I love Pennsylvania already as is, and it'll be cool to go there and hard pack. fits me, I feel like, but um, I just hope my prep continues to be good going into it and see what I can do there. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, I, I tell you every time, I mean, obviously we're pulling for you. Um, and again, I, I thought it'd be fun and different to just, uh, get to cover something special that happened in the past. You know, uh, a lot of times those good rides and little nuggets and stuff like that are something, uh, maybe like we remember, but maybe not mm-hmm. like everybody remembers. Um, so I wanted to be able to kind of highlight that. I thought it was a, a fun memory, even for, uh, spectators like us and, uh, you know, uh, um, between, you know, obviously you, um, with that pro-am, you know, performance with Jeffrey and, uh, and, and nearly winning that pro moto, that pro first moto, um, in 2018, it's going to be hard to, to figure out who the heck I'm going to pick for, uh, the digging deep ATVMX fantasy there, um, at high point, but, uh, 
I've I've been leaning towards you since the beginning. Just oh because, man! Just just because that that memory from back then is uh, so so at the forefront of my mind. And I know you're hungry, Brandon. I know how this works with you. Um, you're gonna be you know as focused as anybody to kind of re- uh, right the ship here. So uh, hopefully um, you will uh, you will prove me right there when uh, I pick you for my fantasy team. Cody, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to let you down. I, <laughs> and yeah, like I haven't three poems kind of, uh, like put me in a spot. I, I've never experienced yet. And I could sit here and talk about how bad I want to, you know, do better and this and that, but I, I, I have to stick with the, the just I want to let my riding talk like mm-hmm. yeah if I try to go in confident and uh, like over cocky I'll just you know I don't want to be embarrassed and lately I felt embarrassed like with my performances so I I've been doing literally everything I can like uh, I, I know you know me as a person dude and like mm-hmm. my, my performances I hope people realize isn't because of like lack of effort. It's, oh my God. No, anybody yeah. that knows you, Brandon knows you're working as hard as is harder, harder than anybody on the line. There's no doubt about that. It's never lack of effort. I mean, you, from the, from the second you get up in the morning till the second you fall asleep, I know you're, you're thinking about, uh, ATV racing and doing everything you can to be better. And then you're dreaming about it too. Like there's mm-hmm. no stone left unturned. Uh, I don't think that, uh, I mean, anybody that knows you knows that. Yeah. Uh, well, my, perf- I just, I want my performances to match that. So like, that's, that's the goal. That's where my head's at right now. And it's not, I'm, I'm not going to try to like impress anybody. And I, I just want to do it for my team too. I feel like we've been struggling a lot this year, like my, my program and I want to turn that around for them. And uh, yeah, but just, just really do it for me. Like mentally uh, put me in the spot that I know I can be in. Well, and, but I mean, lost in all of this shouldn't be like you were on your way to a podium at Daytona. Like, you know, you made a little mistake and you dealt with some other stuff and whatever, but, um, you were, you were exactly where we expected you to be. And you're, Mm -hmm. you know, your one crappy race where you had to endure a bunch of, you know, stuff hurdles, uh, since then. So, I mean, uh, not time to panic yet. I feel like everything's going to go back to right where everybody and you included expected it to be at high point. I know that, uh, that you don't want to, you know, you know, you don't want to speak too confidently. You want to let your riding do the talking. So I'll, I'll speak it for you, but, uh, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. And I think, uh, you know, I think, um, there's just something about high point. I have a good feeling, good feeling mm-hmm. about what we're going to see from you there. And, uh, honestly, I really can't wait to see it all play out. I, I, uh, can picture seeing you on the podium there. I mean, the, the best rides of your career so far have been on tracks like that. Um, it's happened time and time again, really. Um, those are kind of where you've got your podiums and stuff. And I feel like, uh, would not be surprised if we saw it happen again. Hey, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm so freaking excited to get back there and Mm -hmm. hope for good weather and just give it all I got. Awesome, man. Well, uh, appreciate you kind of telling that story for us about the the stuff of the past and then, um, kind of covering, uh, you know, some of where you're at, um, you know, kind of heading into high point there. So I appreciate your time and joining us. And, uh, once again, it's always uh, fun to have you on all the time and fun to, to, 
talk about some memories from the past. And uh, yeah, it really got me, really got me excited to uh, get up to high point. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, hopefully this is something for you after high point. I'd like to have a talk. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I don't know when it could be, it could be even after probably Aonia, but I think we should have a good talk. There's some things I wanted to talk about specifically. Yeah. But yeah. we can do that, do that in a different episode. Okay. Yeah. I uh, look forward to it. Just give me uh give me a little briefing. We'll get you on. Like I said, we love having you and it's always fun. Um, it's always uh, makes for good conversation when uh, you know, there's somebody who you're, you feel like you're close with, right? Like it's easier to yeah. talk to a friend. And uh, obviously I consider you a friend after all the the years we've spent, uh, you know, being buddies with each other and stuff. So yeah, I Heck mean, yeah. You're, you're always welcome here, pal. All right. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, like I said, we're pulling for you and uh, we'll see you at High Point. All right. Yeah, I'll see you there, Cody. You're the man. That's Brandon Hogue brought to you by Gripped Gloves. We'll uh, we'll see you soon, mate. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. See you. That was fun. Major thanks to tonight's guests, Nick Janusa, Jeffrey Rastrelli and Brandon Hogue. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Shout out to Logan Tremellen at Tremellen Media House for allowing our audio to be part of his new groundbreaking video series. Be sure to check that out. Thanks to our sponsors, CSD Tires, shop.csttires.com. Yamaha thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Four Works Carbon, DP Brakes, Script Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back National Champ merch, and more are all available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. I'll also have a vast selection of product with me and available at the track, so come see us at High Point. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to help us out. You can call our voicemail line anytime, 920-569-3519, and follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content and Digging Deep ATV Fantasy info as the season is now in full swing. One final reminder, lineups do not roll over, so head over to ATVFantasy.com today to select your team and lock it in before the gate drops at high point. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our new show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out today. Be a friend, tell a friend, please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Nick Janusa, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Brandon Hogue, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, 2 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Now let's go racing. See you next time.
Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad are freaking gnarly.